Well, today's scripture uh, comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 3. We're going to be finishing out, uh, we've been working through Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 17. Uh, we're going to be reading 12 through 17 today in the ESV. And we encourage you to uh, find that scripture. Uh, if you have a, a Bible app or you want to grab a Bible, um, we're going to be projecting that and going through the scripture throughout the service. Uh, but again, um, the scripture is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. May, may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, friends, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting time that we're going through as a country. Uh, it feels like there's a lot of things that are giving birth right now. And when that happens, uh, as, as it happens in actual childbirth, there's a lot of pain. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that process can go on uncomfortably long. And um, I just want to acknowledge that, that uh, that's something that I've been praying through as uh, the pastor of LGM. And, uh, you know, what are some things that, you know, God wants to communicate to us? What are some things that I can preach, uh, you know, in message format? Um, the, the next kind of sermon miniseries is going to be about life in the spirit. And we're going to tackle some of these things. We're going to tackle... Uh, some of the, the, the ways that the Spirit might cause us to be uncomfortable at times and um, what, what uh, the Spirit might be doing in this moment. And so, um, yeah, I, I just uh, ask for your prayers. I covet your prayers during this time that I, I can have wisdom to be able to preach that well. Um, today's message, we're going to be uh, wrapping up uh, Colossians 3, uh, 1 through 17, like I said. And so it, it may not completely go into what we are talking about in this moment, but I just want to ask for your patience um, and just, uh, uh, yeah, I think there's a process, and I felt like this message uh, needed to be preached first. And so I hope you will will trust in that and what God is doing here. Um, but yeah, you know, as we go through this moment, I do think a lot of people are very introspective. Uh, I've been having a lot of good conversations with people. And, um, you know, I shared last week, James uh, had said that, uh, you know, we all just need to be better human beings. And I think that um, that's a feeling a lot of us have. And, and you know, I know a lot of people are reading and um, they're, they're listening. Uh, they're, they're being open in a way that, that I, I feel like is, is special. And you don't always see where people are 
taking a look in the mirror. And so maybe you've been feeling this. Maybe you've been feeling the need to change yourself, the need to become a better person. And, um, you know, this is one of the things that, that I, I uh, this is kind of what the message is about today, is that process of becoming. Um, and, and how do we do this in a way that um, involves God, <laughs> that in a way that is true to the gospel? Uh, because I think that, um, you know, this won't be the first, nor will it be the last moment of discomfort, you know, for our society where, where, you know, some of the sins of this society are kind of exposed. Some of our complacency is exposed, and we look in the mirror and we say, wow, we need to become better people. And brothers and sisters, I, I just want to acknowledge that these moments have come before, and they've gone. Right? Sometimes when sort of like that groundswell of emotion, it starts to dissipate a little bit, that just people are like, oh, well, I guess that's over. And, you know, we just kind of move on and we just kind of, you know, keep on doing the things we always did and think the thoughts we always did. And, you know, uh, I, I wonder too sometimes, you know, is the change really something that we really truly want and need um, and feel the need for? Or is it something where we're like, yeah, we, we just don't want people to, to think we're racist, you know? I, I, I don't want someone to think that I'm unenlightened. And uh, I was reading on uh, one of my friend's uh, social media posts about how uh, there, there were churches that, you know, maybe a couple years ago when things went down and when the Black Lives Matter movement was crying out and, uh, you know, that they chose to be silent. They chose to not say anything. And, and making the comment that maybe it was because it was easier in that moment to be silent. Um, and, and some of those same churches are now speaking out and you know, making the comment, well, is it because it's easier to speak out now and it's actually more painful if you stay silent, you know, that people will judge you? And so, you know, I, I think there's a lot going on in this moment where I, I think, you know, I just want to affirm, I think the, the need to change is always there, right? It's a good impulse, you know? And, and so I don't want to discourage that at all. But how we do that, the carry through, and also sort of the, 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 the like, like what is at the bottom of all that change? You know, is it just motivated by fear, right? We talk a lot, and we will be talking as we talk about the spirit, right? The, the spirit of God is not a spirit of fear, right? And so, you know, maybe fear got you to the table, but I don't think fear will carry us through. I don't think just fear will cause the kind of change that we are really looking for, the kind of kingdom change, right? And so uh, with that in mind, uh, let's look at uh, this passage because this whole passage has been about change. And just to remind you, you know, it's not just about behavior modification, right? But of course, your behavior must change when you change, right? But God wants to change us from the inside out. We want to participate in what God is doing. And when you look at the life of Jesus, you know, Jesus died, right? And then he rose again. And we are told to take take part, to participate in the death of Jesus Christ so that we can raise to new life, right? And, and that, that oftentimes, or that is the way that we understand you know, change for the Christian. It's not just that you uh, tweak a behavior. Ah, I don't like this about me. Let, let's change this habit. But you are supposed to be a different kind of human, 
Uh, Let's take a look at uh, verse 12. Let's pick it up here. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And it keeps on going with these different qualities that we are supposed to put on. And, you know, I just wanted to remark that uh, it it sounds a little simplistic, you know, this kind of change that that, uh, Paul is encouraging right? That, that, yes, you know, we are supposed to have compassionate hearts, right? You know, notice it doesn't just say show compassion, right? Of course, you, you are supposed to show compassion, you know? But if you have a compassionate heart, the, the idea is that you will show compassion, right? Um, it, it doesn't just say be kind, you know, act humble, you know, uh, act meek, have patience, you know, uh, or, or, you know, uh, be, be patient, wait, you know. But we're supposed to have these things within us. Uh, th- th- we're supposed to have compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We are supposed to become these things, right? But the, the sort of language that is used here is like the language of clothing, right? Put on, you know, just like I would put on a sweater, you know. I would put on a jacket, you know. Uh, put on a T-shirt. Yeah, put on compassion. Put on humility. Put on kindness. Is it that simple? Brothers and sisters, I, I think yes and no at times. I think that sometimes we make it difficult or we think it's difficult. We're like, man, it's so hard to change. you know. And I think that the problem is that we assume something, something very fundamental. We assume that we are a certain way, right? That we are, as the Bible puts it, the old human. You know, what do I mean by that? You know, let's say you're trying to be patient and and you keep saying something like this. Wow, I'm a really impatient person. And so maybe you try to be patient. You, You read a passage like this and you think about that thought of trying to become a better person and you're like, I'm trying. I'm trying to be patient, but I'm so impatient. You know, or maybe, you know, there, there's, there's uh, uh, someone we're supposed to forgive. And we keep reading all these passages in Scripture that, that talk about forgiveness. But then you have this thought, I, I'm, I'm a really unforgiving person. You know, I, I, I am a vengeful person. You know, I'm like John Wick, you know. I will not let it, I, I, what did you do to my dog? I will not let it pass, you know. Uh, maybe there's this idea that we are a certain kind of person. You know, I think sometimes we're just so hard on ourselves, you know. We're like, man, I, 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 I'm angry, I'm, I'm mean, I, I, I am this way, and, but I'm trying. You know, I'm trying to be more patient. I'm trying to be more kind. I'm trying to be more forgiving. But if you notice the language here, it's a little bit different. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. It doesn't say, put on then as screw-ups, as people who are so flawed and, and that, that you are set in your ways. I have to say that a lot of our thinking about change is influenced by hundreds of years of, of uh, science that, that was flawed. And the, the, the thought was that you are like 
um, your brain is like a machine. And, and the idea was that the brain never changes. Uh, from a very early age, your brain becomes set, and you can't change, right? And so you, you, you hear people say, like, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? What does that come from? It comes from that understanding, which was actually based on uh, uh, flawed uh, science, that people thought that people couldn't change. But what we know now is that the, the, the brain is plastic. The brain is moldable, right? You actually can change, right? Change is possible, you know? And so, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm stubborn. I'm you know what that means? It just means that change is hard for everyone. Right? It doesn't mean that you can't change, that somehow fundamentally you are different than other people in a way that you're so stubborn or you're so set in your ways. I reject that. And I think the, the truth of scripture rejects that too. You're not this screw up. You're not this, this cosmic mistake. You're not this, this, you know, eternally flawed person that can never change. You are God's chosen ones. God chose you. To do what? To set you apart. That's why you're holy, right? You, 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 you're, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, you are beloved. That is in your very nature as a Christian, as a little Christ, right? What, what, what is this all about? You die, you are nailed to the cross because your old flesh, your old way of being was not a Christian. Right? Your, your nature was not that of Christ. When we look at all of these qualities here, who has this? Who has a, a compassionate heart? Who is kind and humble and meek and patient? Who bears with one another? And, and, and if they have a complaint, forgive the other person as the Lord has forgiven us. Who has love that, that binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know who? Congregation of three. Who? Jesus. Jesus! Jesus has these things, right? This is what we are called to, right? And so you die with Christ so you can be raised with Christ, right? So you can die to your old self, your old nature, so you can become this, so you can become compassionate and kind and humble and meek and patient, right? This is so important. You know, uh, as I've been having conversations with people about the stuff that's going on in this world, you know, I think that, that there's a natural anger that comes up at unjust structures, right? You know, structures are unjust. You know, we need to fight the structures. We need structural change. Brothers and sisters, where do, where do these structures come from? Where does society come from? Where does our culture come from? We say the, the, the structures are unjust. Yes, that is true. And we got to change that. But you know where they come from? They come from people. People just like you and me. We make the structures. And we can unmake them too. Right? Now, of course, this is a different message, but you know, a lot of these things are calcified because of generations, right? Millions of people who have thought a certain way, who have been indoctrinated a certain way. Right? These are some of the things that we're fighting, you know? But at the base of it, we're, what we are called to as Christians is we are called to be kingdom people, 
right? We, we are praying for the kingdom to come, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask you, in 2020 America, can we look around at this world that we are living in and say, this is what God wants. This reflects the will of God. This reflects the kingdom. Man, if God were truly in charge of this world, this is exactly what the world would look like right now. This is exactly how we should treat each other. I don't think so, right? Do you? But our ownness in that, and, and it talks about this. It says the kingdom of, of the heavens, the kingdom of God is within you. I mean, it's got to start here, you know? And, and, and we will talk about some other things, but at the very base of it, it's got to start here with our willingness to change, right? And how are you going to change? You know, I don't want to change just because somebody told me that I should, that, that you know, someone is going to boycott me or somebody is going to stigmatize me. Someone is going to call me a name if I don't change the way they want me to. But I want to be like Christ. Christ was just, right? Christ was kind. Christ was humble, right? And, and that, that's what it, it all comes down to. We are trying to become like Christ. But this is the radical news, brothers and sisters. You, in some ways, have already been given that status. I, I want to explain that. I want to be clear about this. It doesn't mean Everything in your life has changed, but you have been, in a very real way, been set apart for this. God has chosen you. God has chosen you to be a Christian, to be a little Christ. That's who you are now. That's part of your identity, right? And so what it's talking about here is putting on the qualities that belong to Christ, and it just is supposed to make sense. It's like, you know, we we talked about, um, you know, it's like putting on clothing. But when you put this on, you're going to find that the clothing fits. You're not going to be like that person who puts on, you know, the sweater or the shirt that's just way too tight. You're like, oh, dude, you should not be wearing that. Right? That, that must be uncomfortable for you, because it's uncomfortable for me watching you with that tiny, tiny shirt. You know, It, it, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. It, it's not the way it's supposed to be. But the idea is these qualities of, of having a compassionate heart and being kind and humble and meek and patient and bearing with one another uh, and, and forgiving one another and, and you know, having love... Uh, the, the kind of Christ-like sacrificial love, all these things are supposed to make sense to us, right? We're not supposed to, uh, you know, look at these things and be like, oh, geez, whoo, man, I, I don't want to do that. I, who would want to be humble, you know? Who would want to be kind? Who would want to be compassionate? You know, listen to a couple of the past sermons if you're at that stage. If you have no desire for these things, then it is probably an indication that you need to die to yourself and be reborn in Christ. I will pray for you, right? We've all been there. There's nothing wrong with you that you're in that stage. But if you have no appetite for holy things, you need to be reborn in the Spirit. I don't know how else to say it. It's a supernatural work. You can't just will yourself to want what you do not want. But 
my suspicion is, and, and for many of us in this country, you know, many of us in this moment, many of us in LGM, we do know, I, I want to be more compassionate. I want to be more humble. I want to be more patient. I want to be more forgiving. But maybe we also have this thought, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so difficult. And, and brothers and sisters, I, I just want to make this point. You know, I, I do want to say it's not optional. I, I, I want to explain this, that, that this is the life we're supposed to have. And I, I've spent many, many messages in the past trying to convince you that you should want to be like Christ. It's a good thing. But I, I do have to say, and it, it needs to be said, if you want Christ, you got to take on his qualities, right? I, I want to give you an example. Um, just from here, it says, uh, at the end of verse 13, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I, I want to understand this in terms of, of Christ-likeness, not in terms of law, right? Sometimes we read this in terms of law. If Christ forgives you, then you must forgive another person, or even more conditional. If you don't forgive another person, then Christ doesn't forgive you. And I think that that's kind of like a transactional thing, right? Like, like I'll forgive because Christ forgave, right? But I don't think that's what Paul means here. It's kind of more like this. So I just printed out here on a piece of paper, forgiveness, right? And I think we all like this, right? We all like this to a certain extent, right? That we're like, you know, God, please forgive me. I'm a sinner, right? I, I, I don't want to, you know, uh, be condemned for my sin. And so we take the forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? We receive the forgiveness, right? But now, oh, sorry. Am I messing up the microphone? Sorry. That was probably pretty loud. I apologize. <laughs> but you got to hear this at home. Forgiveness, right? Take the forgiveness. Sorry. Okay. So you get forgiveness, right? Now, look, you got forgiveness, right? Because Christ forgave you, right? It's that's of Christ. You have a part of Christ with you. You have forgiveness, right? Now, check it out. You got to go forgive people. Well, I don't want to forgive people. What are you holding there? What are you holding there? You got forgiveness, right? This is what Paul's saying. If we have been forgiven, you must forgive. Why? Because in a way, I hope you understand this, you are forgiveness, Forgiveness is of you. As forgiveness is of Christ, it is now of you. If you want to be forgiven, you must forgive because you are of forgiveness. We're in the forgiving business now, right? And also, it doesn't make sense if I forgive other people and I don't forgive myself. You're in the forgiving business. Forgiveness, it's, it's, it's the only game in town when it comes to Christ, right? You know, oh, God, thank you for, for forgiving me. And you, because you're mostly good to me, you know, and, and I like you, and you're, you're my, you know, family member, so I guess I got to forgive you, but not you. You, mm, you cross the line, or I, I just can't find it in my heart to forgive you. Brothers and sisters, we got to find a way to take this on, because if we are of Christ, we are of forgiveness. And it goes for all of the other things on this list, Right? It says, this is who you have been set apart to be, right? And in many ways, yes, you are a Christian, but also not yet. That's why this message is called becoming, not become, right? You haven't completely become Christ-like. 
because we haven't completely taken on all these characteristics. And in many ways, that's what the Christian life is about. To know you were made for this, you were set apart to do this because Christ has died for you, and you have died in Christ, and you have been raised by the Spirit of Christ, and now you live with Christ, and now Christ lives within you. And if Christ lives within you, you must become the things of Christ. So you got to take them on, right? That's the job now. Now, you know, there may be implications to this. What if I don't? Will, will, will God still forgive me? Will I still get to go to heaven? Brothers and sisters, that's a game, right? And, and oftentimes, I, I, I really just want, want to say this and be very clear. I think sometimes people ask this question as if all you were getting was a part of Christ. We, we just want the part where we're forgiven. That ain't how it works, right? You're going to have Christ or you're not, Right? I mean, it's kind of like being like, hey, uh, Pastor Steve, uh, I want to be friends with you. I want to have you over my house, but just your pinky, right? You can't just have my pinky, right? You got to have all of Pastor Steve, right? You got to take it all, right? You can't just pick and choose what you take of Pastor Steve. You can't pick and choose what you take of Christ. If you want Christ, then have Christ, right? And so in many ways, brothers and sisters, we got to, you know, it's it's a hard check question. If you don't want to forgive, if you don't want to do these things of Christ, do you even want Christ at all? If you want Christ, then you got to take it all, right? But of course, the nuance is that you're not going to have it all right away, right? Who of us is perfectly forgiving? Who of us is perfectly compassionate? Who of us is perfectly humble? Okay, Jason, Lee, Connie, and James Cope. But besides, the rest of us, not so much. Just kidding, right? We are all working on this, right? But I think the, the thing I want you to hear is that you were made for this. And, and so, you know, there's sometimes when we hear messages like this and we're like, man, it's so hard. It's so hard. You know, it's so hard to forgive people. It's so hard to be compassionate. It's so hard to be humble, you know? because I'm just such an awesome person. <laughs> I don't know. It's so hard, you know? And friends, I, I, I wonder if maybe it's based on this understanding uh, or based on a, a misunderstanding, thinking that my very nature is the opposite of what it needs to be in Christ. And, and so I'm, I'm always fighting myself. But I wonder, brothers and sisters, if... You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I'm still the same person, whether or not I put on a coat. Bless you. <laughs> but, you know, when you put on that coat, you're, you're like, dude, this is nice. This is great, right? Like, man, I, I, I'm warmer and I'm more protected, right? I, I don't want to stretch the metaphor too far, but you already are this thing. But you, you, you got to put on the, this part that, that comes with the whole. You know what I mean? And, and so I wonder, instead of saying, man, I'm so stubborn, or I'm so impatient, or I'm so unforgiving, what if you said, I am forgiving in Jesus Christ, before you actually forgave someone? What, what if before 
when you're in that, 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 that traffic jam, you know, and you're feeling really impatient, you know, what, what if you said something like, I, I am patient in Jesus because Christ is patient. This is who I was created to be. It's not just meant to be a mind game, but to know that that is who you are called to be, and now you must live into it, right? And in that sense, you are going to have some help. Um, so I want to take a, take a look at this. So, so, you know, we did talk about that whole idea of, uh, you know, the qualities of Christ. And the fruit of the Spirit is another way of talking about that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, right? This is another way of putting uh, a lot of the things that we have been saying these past few weeks. This idea that, you know, when it says the fruit of the Spirit and all these great qualities against uh, such things there is no law, it means no law can dictate these things, right? I can't just force you by, by, by you know, the threat of punishment. Hey, be more loving, right? Be more patient. Be more peaceful, you know, you can't yell at people and make them more peaceful, right? You're just going to make them more agitated, right? Be more patient. I'm so impatient. I want you to be patient. It doesn't work, right? Um, there is no law that can dictate these things, you know? But instead, what is meant to happen is you are supposed to take the Spirit of Christ into you, and the things that flow out are the fruits, Remember, what spirit is it? It's the spirit of Christ. It says, those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires, and then your, your internal stuff, right, gets changed, is brought to life in new ways, and you get the fruit of the spirit, right? You're supposed to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? Why? Because Christ has those things. And what belongs to Christ now belongs to you. Right? That's it. This is how we change. Right? And so, uh, you know, as it goes on, it, it, it gives us the, this idea. Uh, uh, you know, it gives us some suggestions for how we can go about this. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. Let the peace of, peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I mean, I know we talk about this, but when you are spending time with God, is it a chore? Is it law? Right? Man, I, I, I got to read the Bible right now, because if I don't, I'm not a good Christian. And if I'm not a good Christian, then when I go and, and you know, lead small group, I'm a hypocrite. You know, I better read the Bible because if I don't, then somehow, you know, God isn't going to bless me as much. God isn't going to bless my business endeavors. Is that how we approach these things? Or what if the time you spent with God, what if the time when you read scripture, what if the time that you spent praying, it was about letting the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? It's a different kind of energy, isn't it? It's a different kind of way of being when you approach 
your time with God about trying to become like Christ. Not trying in the sense of, eh, eh, I'm trying so hard. You know, I'm not like Christ. It's impossible, but I'm still going to try. And it's, it's, it's this really painful and difficult ordeal instead of saying, no, this is what you were made for, right? This is the blessing, is getting to become like Christ. And in many ways, you have already been called by that name. You are Christian. You are little Christ. You are Christ's follower. You belong to Christ. He has set you apart, right? And in all the moments that you spend, you know, your spiritual disciplines, these moments when you pray, these moments when you receive a sermon or you receive the word of God, where you meditate on the word of God, it is about, taking more of that Christ-likeness upon you. Let the peace of Christ reign in your hearts, right? Let it reign. Let, let, let it become a part of you. Let it rule you. I mean, don't you want that? Do you like the peace of this world? Or should I say the chaos of this world? Every moment, new crises comes, and then, oh, no, what are we going to do? Ah, ah, ah. I got to say, brothers and sisters, a lot of us are not taking the peace of Christ within us before we take the chaos of the world within us. How many of us wake up, and the first thing we do is we look at our you know, social media feed, or we read the news, and, and we start seeing some of that stuff, and we're just like, oh, man, this world sucks. And what are we going to do? And that starts to become a part of you. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying don't read the news, right? I'm not saying be blind to it. I'm not saying be Pollyanna, just, you know, everything is sunshine and rainbows and everything is good. Everything is good, you know, because God is good and I don't need to worry because it's someone else. But I'm telling you, friends, you know, even for those who are in the midst of suffering, we still need the peace of Christ. And so I'm not saying don't read the news, but I'm saying maybe just some advice. Don't read it first. Right? Why let that set your day? Why let that be the thing that reigns in your heart? Now chaos reigns in your heart. Now fear reigns in your heart. Why not let the first thing that you do every day to be to let the peace of Christ reign in your heart. And maybe it changes the way you approach everything, right? And, and so I have to say, um, I, I do think I have a responsibility as a, a um, citizen of this world to be, you know, to read up on, to be read up on, on what's going on in this world. So I, I read the news, you know, but I got to tell you, I have this rule. Um, I'm not always great about this, but I try to only read the news once, <laughs> only once per day. That's it. That's all I get. Because I have to tell you, you know, this is how we used to get news. Did you know that? Right? You, you get a newspaper. You, know, you just throw it on your lawn, and that's all you get. That's all the news you get for the whole day. But now we have what's called the 24-hour news cycle. Right? And so with the 24-hour news cycle, if there isn't news, well, there's going to be news. Right? We're going to make up news. We're going to recycle news. We're going to look at a new angle of the same news, right? And, and you know, 
whether that's right or wrong, I'll let you decide. But I think what it ends up doing is that we end up obsessing about things. You know, it ends up changing the way that we look at things. And this is the thing, you know, fear sells, right? You have never opened the news and the news says everything is great. Or it's 99% great, right? They're going to tell you the 1% that that's wrong. It's human nature. That's what sells. That's what we latch onto. That's what we focus on, right? And if the 1%, you know, and maybe in this world, I don't know, maybe it's more like 15%, the 15% in this world that's going crazy, right? And you're obsessed with that. You're thinking about that. You're meditating on it. I mean, just think about the language there. You know, we talk about meditating on Scripture. You replay the Scripture about the goodness and love of God, the faithfulness and reliability of God, about the gospel truth that Jesus came and died for you and for all of us. And in many ways, it's already taken care of. It is done. It is finished. And you've got that playing in your mind and you're meditating on that. I don't think it's that far a step to have the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Amen? Right? But if you're thinking about all of the just terrible things that are happening, you're just thinking about it all the time, you're meditating on it, it's replaying in your mind in a loop because your mind is trying to fix it and you can't fix it and it's making you frustrated and then it's making you sad and then you start stress eating and then you start going unconscious and then the moment that you become conscious, again, pain, pain, chaos, and, and it's just playing in your mind over and over and over. Brothers and sisters, I don't think Christ-likeness is going to come from that. Right? And so it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Right? This idea of let the word of God dwell in you richly. Sing songs, right? Listen to the songs. Have the songs sung over you. It's something that that I often do, you know, when I'm feeling hopeless. It's just to just ingest the word of God. I need to go back to the word of God. But this is the thing. We made the word of God law for us. What do I mean by that? We made it a chore, right? And for even... Christians, seasoned Christians, even for me for much of my life, reading the word of God was such a chore. And so when I'm feeling stressed, when I'm feeling pessimistic about the world, you know, sometimes it's hard because all I want to do is I want to stress eat, I want to take a nap, I want to, you know, just sort of uh, take the the low-hanging fruit, the stuff that just feels good in the moment. And for many of us, you know, that's not reading scripture. And there's all this guilt associated with, you know, you got to read it or you're a bad leader or you're a bad person or you're a bad Christian. Mm, that's not what it's about. Remember, you've already been set apart. You've already been made holy. You have already been justified. You have nothing to prove. You're not reading the word of God to prove that you're a good person. You're, okay, good It's debatable, but you're a holy person. You have been set apart for Christ. You have been called Christ's name. Christ's qualities now want to come upon you. And that's what reading scripture is about. That's what meditating on scripture is about, is about letting the word of God dwell in you richly. 
I need that. My mind needs that, right? You know, for, for many of us where reading is just, you know, it's just become hard for a lot of us. We're, we're, we're becoming more and more an illiterate society. You know, and for me, when I'm really stressed, when I'm really just out of sorts and I need that gospel truth, I listen to praise songs. I, I want to encourage you. If you're feeling hopeless in this moment, cue up the song Waymaker. It's great. Maybe we'll sing it in the future here. But I, I've been listening to that song all week long, you know, in those moments when I feel that despair. You are a way maker. You, you, you bring about miracles. You are light in the darkness, right? You make a way for us. We need that truth. We need to dwell in that truth. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What does that mean? Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. It doesn't mean that if you just say, like, I'm playing video games in the name of the Lord Jesus, that somehow everything you do becomes okay. What it means is that when you do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, it's because you carry the name Lord Jesus, right? You carry that name, and everything you're doing is meant to bring about Christ-likeness, right? You're representing Christ. You're trying to become more in Christ. Everything you do is for this purpose. Right? And, and, and we need to surround ourselves. It, it, it's, not, it's not just some things, but whatever you do, everything, all the things around us, we need to be surrounded with Christ-likeness, with the, the kingdom of God, right? I mean, that's the best way to put it. It's a kingdom. It's an environment. You, you need to be in that. You need to be in an environment that is hopeful. You need to be in an environment where you feel loved. You need to feel in an environment where you are not condemned. You need to be in an environment where you are forgiven, where you are thankful, where God is good and God is with you and you have hope. That's the life. That's the Christian life. You got to fight for that, right? And, and in many ways, this is what you were created for. This is what God desires for you. And I believe that all of heaven is conspiring to make it so. All of heaven is conspiring to make you like Christ. Can you own that today? Can you take up that mantle? I belong to Christ. I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. I'm a little Christ. I am his beloved. And I want to be able to take on those qualities. There might be times where it's not always the easiest. You're fighting with yourself at times. You know, you're trying to be patient and it's hard. You know, I don't want to deny that. But I want you to know in many ways that the heavy lifting has already been done. And you have a very powerful advocate in your corner, in the Holy Spirit. And so what I want you, hopefully, to walk away from in this message is not a feeling of despair or this heaviness. I think so often we walk away from discipleship messages, messages of trying to become better with this heaviness. It's so hard. I can't do it but I want you to know, right? 
in many ways, you are becoming. And I don't say that as, as a hope. I'm saying it as the truth. In Christ, you are always becoming. God is always working on your side. It's one of the beautiful things about gospel reality. It's good news, right? Jesus gets tortured and killed. And we say, hooray, good news. Doesn't make any sense. That's the gospel. God turns around all the things that were meant for evil. Even when you fail, even when you find a blind spot within you, even when you are not able to forgive, hooray, God is working within you. You are becoming. Maybe now you're conscious of it. When you feel bad about it, you know that there's something that needs to be done. You have a conscience. Hooray! God is conspiring to help you. It's not this defeated, like, oh my gosh, I screwed up again. That means this. That means I am unforgiveness. That means I will never become. I will never get better. That's a lie. That's a lie straight from hell. We need the word of God to dwell richly within you. You are of Christ. Right? That that uh, uh, you are God's chosen one. You are holy and beloved. You have been set apart. Christ has died for you. Christ is, is, is intervening on your behalf. He, he is pleading with the Father on your behalf. He has sent an advocate, the Holy Spirit. You are not alone, brothers and sisters, Right? All of heaven is here to help you. All of God's people, that this is what we are supposed to be doing and we're supposed to be doing it together, right? Help yourself out too. Let yourself, let your mind, let your heart dwell richly in the truth of who God is and what God has already done and what he is already doing. Dwell in the knowledge. Dwell in the truth. Dwell in the promises of a God of hope, of a God of love, of a God of peace, a God of patience, a God of forgiveness. And maybe find that you start to become that more and more. We're going to go into our time of communion. And, uh, uh, you know, this is the time where you go and grab the bread and you grab the juice from the fridge uh, and uh, we, we encourage you to prepare those elements. And I, I just want to remind you uh, about communion on the night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, when began the, 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 the events that would lead to Jesus being crucified on a cross. And Jesus shared a, a meal with his friends. Um, we bought these uh, kind of personal size <laughs> Bun, so I, I've got a really small piece of bread. Just sorry. <laughs> um, but on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a, a loaf of bread and he broke it. He broke the bread. It probably wasn't more a loaf because it was unleavened, but anyways, <laughs> it was bread. And he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he did that for people he, who he knew would let him down people who he knew would betray him. And he still said, I am giving myself for you. 